0: And I ain't hit no drop in the minute, nah. No, I'm
1: about yeah. my business. Rapper's Guide Podcast, episode 69 is your host, Diggy Metro. Bales Pagliacci. And today we're on the phone with Brianna. She is the founder of Taste Creators down in Philadelphia. Uh, Brianna, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, man. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. It was even better the second time. <laughs> <laughs> After some te- uh, technical difficulties. Uh, Brianna, I love what you're doing over there. Um, briefly, Thank before you, before we were on the phone, we were talking about, um, you know, your, your space that you opened up. Uh, do you want to start with that? Because I feel like that's the most recent thing, and that's pretty cool. Whatever you guys want to know. <laughs> sure, sure. So what exactly is your space? Where is it located? And, and like, what are you uh, kind of pitching it as as a business?
2: So we're located in Philly, uh, Philadelphia. Um, it is, it's an artist development space. I mean, it's kind of all inclusive. We have a recording studio. Uh, we have rehearsal space. We have a a full content space. Uh, it's really homey though. We have like a little kitchen area. We have a little office. Like, you know, you can get your studio time, but like go get a cup of tea or something. Mm -hmm. Um, we have vocal coaches, performance coaches. Um, you know, I'm the strategy person. I'm the infrastructure person. So I'm the one that's there you know, helping to make sure that the artists are actually, um, like they have a guide, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not like a free for all. It's like, Hey, I have a game plan. I know what I'm supposed to be doing this month (laughs) or, you know, I know what the plan is for the next six months. So how do we conquer that together? So, um, yeah, it's just an all inclusive, creative space, artist hub, but you know, we're, we're an artist development company. And now is this
1: is this something that you guys plan on like signing artists? Is it something that's uh, exclusive to artists that like sign a partnership with you guys? What exactly uh, does it entail when you so start with? this
2: Yeah, there's different levels to it, honestly, um, because, you know, we work with artists at all different levels. Um, we actually did just start. Um, we're not signing anyone like, like we're a label right. yet. I mean, we do have distribution. Um, I, I, we did sign um, an artist um fh snoop who we're now managing mm-hmm. um but uh you don't have to you don't have to like sign to us to work out of our space
3: you guys um, aren't death is, row
2: no <laughs> <laughs> no you not but it is it is pretty private though it's like um if you're a good fit then great you know but it's it's not for everyone it's really like you know for for artists that are are really taking this serious and um you know, artists that we can that we feel like we can really
1: help. Sure. I think that that's important to say because I think that, you know, um, artists all think that they're at the point where they can be helped, but a lot of the time they're not.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: that it's important to let them know that they have to do X, Y, and Z before it's even possible to help them out.
2: Yeah, I mean, what is your take on that? What do you feel like? I feel like I'm in here. Well, I feel, you feel, I feel, like,
1: <laughs> I feel like, you know, artists don't really understand the game and that's kind of our fault as like the elder statesman in, in music and i think that like yeah, well
2: that's why it's a big part of what we're doing too um and i, I didn't even mention that but I, we're i, I did an, an artist development program before i did one that was like a month long and then we did an artist development weekend of a bunch of different programming but we're going to be running like one of the first things we're going to be doing is a six-week um vocal and performance coaching boot camp so oh. like anybody can join that Love that. And that we're, we're announcing all that stuff, that type of stuff soon. But like the basis of what we do is education. It's, it's educating the artists. Even if you don't work out of our space, I, I created a, um, an online school for artists called musicbusinesshowto.com. Um, that has different resources and knowledge on there, but you know, I, I, it's it's really important for artists to to understand the business that they're trying to get into because,
0: Kind of crazy, yeah, yeah. And that was like one of the biggest reasons we wanted you on the show because you know we seen that you kind of valued more so the education component of it, which is kind of how we even started our podcast as well. It was just kind of like you know you can have the talent and you can have the image and all those things, but if you don't have the business in order, if you don't understand how to navigate through it, then essentially you're just going to get kind of lost. And that's kind of the one yeah. of the things that we didn't want to do because when we grow up, when we grow up, when we grew up uh, doing music. <laughs> we kind of had that issue where it was like we didn't have anybody that really got us and really teach us the things that, you know, could help us navigate our careers a little bit better. Um, And just hearing that you have this like space as well, it's just amazing to hear because a lot of times artists do look for a hub or a place where they can network and can kind of, you know, better themselves in their artistry or just kind of like how they looked at in the public view. I mean, even like you saying vocal coaching, like a lot of artists, you know, especially rappers, probably overlook that or look past it. And even when you like at the landscape of music now, like kind of like, everything is kind of like melodic rap or it's kind of going to the melodies of that, that nature. And sometimes probably you don't want to lean on autotune. So vocal coaching could definitely be beneficial for that, you know, but artists overlook Yeah, and things. I mean,
2: even if you are, you know, it's, vocal coaching is, is still extremely important. Vocal coaching, performance coaching, it's like if you want to perform, you know, that it takes a lot out of you, especially if you're going to do, you know, a 30 to 45 minute set. So it's like you have to learn breath control. Mm-hmm. Like there's an art to all of that stuff. It's not just making the music and winging it. You know, it's, like, rehearsing every day. And, and that's how I grew up. I don't know if you guys knew that, but, like, I grew up making music. I grew up, um, like, the Jackson 5. Like, it's, like, school's out. It's time to rehearse. Mm-hmm. Like, we used to have to run around football fields singing.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, there, there's, so, it, many, there's so many ways to go about that. I mean, there's some people who, you know, they'll sing with, like, a weight on their stomach. And I think that that's overlooked with hip-hop because hip-hop is a lot more, you know, um, Bouncy and you could kind of like Use whatever flow that fits It's, it's not like a, a thing Like singing where you have to hit A G note or you have to hit these Notes it's like you really Don't have to hit Anything in hip hop you could talk on a Record and if it sounds cool you can make That work for you mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. The, the performance component of it You know that is very important I think when people Hear vocal coaching they don't necessarily Think of performance they think of You know singing you know, and well,
2: even I separate them. We have like, I have, a, I have two vocal coaches and I have a separate performance coach and some of it overlaps, but it is a little bit different. You know, the sure. performance, it's a lot of like, um, you know, how do you uh, keep the crowd engaged? How do you, what do you even say to the crowd? Stuff like that. How do you control the mic? What sounds, you know, uh, great on the mic? What happens if your mic gets unplugged?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's the funny like, thing about, about, artists is that I feel like a lot of artists are kind of uh, introverts and, and used to the studio setting where they're behind the scenes and they're not really out in front of people. So the first time that they're on stage and they're looking a bunch of people in their eyes, you know, it's scary. It's nerve wracking. You don't really know for sure how to go about it. So yeah, coaching them on even what to say in those breaks, because that is important. Like when the music's off, what are you saying to the crowd? Are you just yeah, silent? How,
2: how are you even introducing yourself? How right. are you introducing yourself? How are you introducing if you have a band? How are you introducing the next song? How are you keeping them engaged throughout the whole performance?
1: How are you wrapping it up, you know? <laughs> right, right. There's an art to all of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think, you know, like, artists don't really know how to even start their performing career. Like, there's people there's people who have contacted us, and the question is always, how do I get started? And, you know, I don't think it's that clear. You know, I don't think that no, there's too it, many people different telling
2: it's for it. everybody. It's different for for everybody,
1: too. For sure. I feel like, uh, you know, music is a weird space because everyone can do it. But there's this, I feel like there's a disconnect with, you know, the venues locally. Like, which venue can I contact? Are you guys doing some of that? Like, are you partnering with venues as well? Or are you strictly doing it in your own venue?
2: Uh, Well, since we have our own venue now. Um, of course, we're going to be doing a lot of shows out of there. Right. But um, I'm sure we'll be partnering, partnering with other venues, too. We've done that in the past. Um, and just put on different showcases and networking events and stuff like that. So, um, But I, I always encourage artists to book, you know, find the, uh, the, the smaller local venues in your area and literally book the space and just throw your own show. Right. Yep. Maybe throw a couple other openers on it um, that have a little bit more buzz than you. And just, even if it's a place that's really small, that only fits 75 people, you know, that's it looks great on camera if you can pack that out. And then everybody else that didn't come can see all that footage and they're like, oh man, I missed out. And right. then they're going to want to come to the next one. So, you know, a lot of artists, they uh, they want like a booking agent or something. It's like, that's cool and all, but are, you have to draw a crowd for that. Yep. So, well, you know, a, there's a business behind that.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's also, I think that's also a result of people like Russ who are like, I just contacted the biggest booking agent in Europe and he put me on a, a world tour. And it's like,
2: but he had a draw already. I, exactly. don't, I actually don't think Russ has, has um, like denied that though. You know, he had a, he, he had a build his buzz. Yeah. But that I didn't think, happen.
1: I think when you're telling a bunch of kids, stuff, you have to break it down as if they are kids. You can't tell them something that sounds kind of vague. Cause then if you leave them to just think is that vague, they're gonna think, okay, I could contact, you know, the booking agent for Wu-Tang, like we had on the show. I could contact him and he'll put me on shows in Europe. It's like that's not really how that works. Yeah. Cause I think also like with the uh I remember they on
0: Twitter, they were talking about how Roddy Rich is like, oh, I got this much for a festival. And it's like, yeah, you kind of mislead some kids that's growing up thinking that that's going to be their set price for all their shows. But festival prices yeah. compared to an actual show price of what you can actually bring in, it's completely two different cool. things.
2: Artists need to look past the surface level, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> that's really what it is. Because you can see all the cool stuff and all these artists saying different things. But that's the, the part about understanding the business. If you really know how this works, then you can see past the surface level. It's just like when somebody says, like, oh, I got signed. It's like, okay. To what? Great. Mm But what does that deal look like?
1: What did you sign? (laughs) Right. Did you sign a pub deal? Like, what what did you sign? Are you an artist? Are you a producer? Are you a writer? What did you sign as? And I think that, like, that is even vague. You know, like, I feel like music as a business is a very vague business unless you're kind of in already. Like, even when artists get even signed. Even when you're in, it could right. be exactly.
2: different deals. Everything looks different. It's different for everybody. Right. Um, even nowadays, it's like, you know, artists are building a lot more leverage. So, you know, the deals are, they could actually be a lot more artist friendly now. Mm-hmm. It's really all in, in what you want. A lot of artists don't know what they want.
1: Yeah. And they, I feel they, like they, they know, don't know how <laughs> to use it as a tool. You know, they don't know how to, when you go into a, a label deal, You should be looking for the resources from that label to kind of see how does this benefit me? And I feel like a lot of artists kind of confuse it and they think that it only benefits the label, you know? So you hear all these stories of like, yeah, the label just wants this and the label wants that. It's like, did you do your research? Do you know what their marketing team is? Do you know what their development team is? Like, have you looked into that label that you're about to sign to? And do you have a a game plan as to how you're going to utilize all their different departments? That's on you.
2: Yeah, (laughs) although a lot of artists don't realize that, you know, once you get signed, I mean, that's just another level. Now the work gets even harder.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. That's like the that's the start line. That's not the finish line. Yep. And like when it comes to like
0: a lot of artists that you uh, possibly have worked with um, in the past, like I know like one of the other bigger things that you uh, discussed and talked about is like rollouts. And um, I think there's been a lot. Uh, different rollouts that's been happening lately. I, mean, I know when, you know, Drake dropped, uh, CLB he had the billboards everywhere. I know something recently, like, like I was interested, it was, like, Smino with the love for rent. He, like, rented out a house. You know, there's a bunch of different ways that people have been rolling out um, albums, singles, whatever the case may be. Like, do you still feel like that's, like, something artists, like, need to focus on or something that they struggle with? Because we kind of live in an era where, like, yeah, just drop a single real quick and just get it out there. Um, you know, one side saying, roll it out. Other side is saying, just get the music out there.
2: I think it's a mixture of both. I think a lot of the times, um, artists overthink it. Um, but then a lot of the times, they don't think about it at all. I think it's about balance. You know, it's overall, it's, it's about just say more than like, hey, my, my song is out now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think having a rollout is it doesn't have to be this huge extravagant thing. But you do have to tell the story behind what you're doing. Like people need to grasp something more than my song is out now. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I also feel like um, to kind of like combine everything, you said it's a mixture of everything. And it's like, I do feel like putting out a lot of music without necessarily rolling out just to build your catalog first. I feel like that's a good idea. I also feel like if you're working on a project after you have a bunch of music out, that's fine. But then the project has to come with an audience. Like there's no point in working on a project. If there is no audience there, I think that you have to do all these things to start, you know? And I feel like that's where the combination comes. It's like first put out singles, first try to like find creative ways to market your singles to your audience, build an audience, then they'll be there for the project. There's no.
2: And that's the key though, the finding the creative ways to say, Hey, this song is out
1: now. Mm (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know? 100%. I
2: think that's what a lot of artists struggle with. They're just like, well, what do you mean? Here's my video.
1: <laughs> it's in, like, in your experience: well, What though? even inspired the video? <laughs> right. In your experience, what is a creative like what are the creative ways that you've seen artists go about putting their music out, especially with small audiences?
2: Oh man. i I can't name something specifically right now. I'd have to think about it, but what I love um, is when artists get their fans involved as much as possible like right. i love when artists like get exclusive with it like you know text this number if you want this song or you know they like they're do, they're just activating their fan bases in different ways and really um you know just building with them and getting them involved
1: that, that makes sense I, I feel like um you know the starting point for an artist to actually build an audience i feel like doesn't start with their hometown and I think that a lot of artists confuse that. We've talked about that a bunch on the podcast, so it's. I like, think
2: it can. It definitely can. I love when artists get support from their hometown, for sure. Um, but I'm
1: saying to rely on your hometown as your audience when there's a, a whole world out there. That's that's kind of sure. what I'm talking about, you know? Because with the internet, you don't. I feel like in 2022 and beyond, you have access to the world. You no longer only have access yep. to like the local environment. So, like blowing up in your city isn't as important as it once was. I think that you could create a major audience across the globe and beforehand you couldn't do that. So when yep. you know when artists are treating the uh the music business or like the the marketing space as if it's still as difficult as it used to be I th- I think the information's out there. I think that the fans are out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a good time to to get started and um you know I I think that if we bring you know clarity to that As again, as like the elder people in music at this point, because reality is like when you're in your late twenties, early thirties in music, you're like, you've been around for a minute, Mm -hmm. you know, you start this when you're a kid. So it's like, you do know the ropes. And I think that, uh, what, what a lot of older artists kind of get into the habit of is like, I went through this hardship. So you should go through this hardship as well. Mm -hmm. And as a podcast like we've tried to avoid that at all costs. I feel like the information that we're constantly trying to uh dish out is like we went through this shit so you don't have to.
3: Yeah, for sure. You,
1: you know, and I, and and it's important, you know, so so when we see like taste creators when we see uh the website that you built in the school, like we love that because it's it's giving artists hope and it's also giving them like a a space where not everyone's trying to take advantage of them, you know? And I, I think that that's great. Um, going It actually forward... throws
2: people off sometimes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, like it kind of
2: has people to. People get screwed so much in this business that they're like, wait, like, you guys don't want to screw me over?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we say like, so much on TikTok no. for ourselves. Like, they just hate on us or they just, like, say things like, oh, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You guys are not trying to help us. Like, well, you know, we're, we're sitting here not getting paid for this for a reason. You know, we just want to be able to get that information out there and just be able to be a helping hand. For somebody, Yeah, but at there. the
2: same time, there's a lot of bullshit out there. Oh, definitely. So, you of know, course. I, I understand when, when people are, you know, skeptical about things. Um, but you really, you know, you have to educate yourself. You have to do research on people. You have to see what they've done, what they're doing. And, you know, never go into anything blindly.
1: Well, it's also a weird balance because it's like, at what point does the information that, that uh, sources like Rapper's Guide or sources like Taste Creators are giving, at what point does that, you know, need payment? You know, like, yes, it's very good to give out all the information, but there are people making valuable money on that same information. So as a, a creator yourself, you have to think like, you know, at what point do I have to start charging, uh, for the information that we're giving out? And we've taken the, yeah. the stance of like, we don't want to do that, uh, at, for as long as we could, mm-hmm. you know, but there is a, well, a weird
2: Yeah, well, it's about, so the the time when I charge for it, because I mean, we, you know, we're a company. I definitely, most of what I get paid on is coaching artists and their teams and stuff. But it's the general information that I give away for free. You know, you can go on my Twitter, Instagram, whatever. We're actually like, I'm about to film a whole bunch of, you know, knowledge type videos too that you're about to see. But when it comes to the hands on stuff, because it is different for everybody, a lot of the times the artists have difficulty, um, like there is so much information out there that they have a difficulty uh, kind of like applying, seeing what information they should apply to themselves Yep. and how to apply it to themselves. Right. So when I charge artists and their teams for stuff, it's because I'm working hands on with them. This is not, you're not getting something general. I'm looking into exactly what you're doing. We're talking about your goals in detail. We're talking about your whole entire life story to figure out what story it is that you should even be telling. And, and uh, there's probably a bunch of them, you know, but right. like, it's It's very very hands on and and geared towards that specific person versus you know general information I and mean,
0: Go ahead. that yeah, was one of the things that we talked about you know off camera before too you know, some artists like literally like they may have once again they may have the artistry, they may know how to you know look well in in front of an audience, but they need somebody to be there like hands on strategically teaching them or showing them this is where you should be going or this is where you should be allocating your resources because once again there's there's always a bunch of inf- information that is out there, but unless you know how to specifically. Um, apply it to your situation at that point it's just information you know so that's like one of the yep. i guess the good things about that being able to be there to like go hand in hand with said artists um and in, and even like within that like uh you know being over in philly you know we and we, us in new jersey kind of deal with the same way everybody kind of look at it as like new york new york and then being able to just kind of like build a hub for yourself um or for like artists around uh your city or your state whatever the case may be and kind of like trying to draw that um Community in a sense. Yeah, just having that community be there, um, being able to build it from home Mm -hmm. base, which, you know, like we said, you can definitely do it outside of just your your hometown, but it also feels good. Yeah, I mean, a
3: lot of
2: the the artists that we've worked with are not here in Philly. I mean, I'm I'm born and raised here, and I love Philly. I I have great relationships with a lot of the artists and people here, Um, but I like to work with artists from all over Mm -hmm. because a lot of the stuff is digital. You know, of course, I love the hands on stuff. If you can come to the studio and we can really work hands on, amazing. So if you are in the area, then of course even better. Um, but we definitely have worked with artists that are not here. Maybe they're in LA. Maybe they're they're just not they're not here. But we do a lot of the digital stuff that way, and it's uh, but it's, it's definitely different. It is different,
1: <laughs> and, and it's difficult to to even like you know give like management advice to someone that you can't sit down and talk to. That's a difficult thing because, like you're saying, like. It is hands-on. It's very—I it's very, I think that it's geographic. Like, you have to figure out where your music works because you might be sure. from Philly, but your music might work best in L.A. It takes someone to, like, actually look into the statistics of that and, and know, okay, your biggest audience, although you're from Philly, is in L.A., so we have to make music that's kind of, you know, built around that vibe. I think that that's a difficult pill for a lot of artists to swallow because— You know, when you're coming up, you're very experimental. And I think that that's a good thing that you can be experimental while your audience is not necessarily there. Um, But once you start building on an audience and you start to see where it's at, I think it is important to know, okay, this vibe of music works best for my audience that's located in this city or these cities. And I have to kind of base my artistry around that. I think that that's a big thing. You know, like I'll take an artist like Blast. Um, Blast music is West Coast music. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that other other uh, you know fans are not going to listen from all around the world, but it's like the basis of his music is built for the West Coast, and you know it's important because it's like when you're in on the East Coast, we go through all four seasons. Certain music just hits different in the winter than it would in the summer. Yeah, that's right. And that's right. I think that when you're yeah. when you're like showcasing an artist, uh, you know if you're making like warm weather music then you might have to distribute it more to the West Coast during these cold months. You can do that. But yeah, it takes someone to sit down and kind of like look at everything combined and be like, look, man, we're going to push your music in this city because it sounds like this city and it works for this city. Artists are kind of just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. And, you know, that's what we're Which kind of here for. Which can work in the
2: beginning. For sure. But you, have to, you have to, if you're going to throw shit at the wall and hope, hope it sticks, At least pay attention to the results and move accordingly. Mm -hmm. See what the people are gravitating towards, and that's kind of with everything. That's with music releases. That's with content. You know, take a look at how things are performing, and you know who, what audience you're attracting, and where they are. You know, all these platforms have all the stats now, so you can see all that stuff. You can see where you're getting the most streams and all that jazz.
1: Okay, so so let me ask you a question. At Taste Creators, (laughs) right? I'm an artist. I come in, and I like making this style of music, right? But I've put out that style of music and that style does better for me, but I'm not so much a fan of that. Where do you go with an artist like that?
2: I mean, that's really up to them. Uh, where I go is I make it known to them. Like, Hey, you do realize what is performing the best. Right. But I'm never, I'm not the type to force an artist into a sound. Right. No. If it's, it's, it's really up to them at the end of the day, it's their career. And you know, if you want to really build this and you're doing it to grow a fan base, then you need to listen to that fan base when they tell you what they like. Um, but, you know, some artists, they're just like, well, I make this type of music and that's what I want to make. So who am I to tell you not to? But I am going to make it known what has been working.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> so, yeah, I think that there, there's a moral obligation as someone who's trying to like build up an artist to be like, look, yeah. man, you know. I know you like that music. I know that you like putting out that style of music, but your audience likes this style of music. So maybe it would benefit you the most to work on this style. And I think that when you do that, you know, you kind of get that like label stigma of like, they're trying to tell me what I should make. They're trying to hold me back from being creative. And it's like, nah. there's statistics that show these things. And it depends on what you're doing. We like to, at Rapper's Guide, we like to kind of, you know, uh, put the focus on the industry side of everything. And it's like, sometimes you should listen to the business, you know, mm-hmm. the business itself is telling you what you should be doing. And I think that artists make it harder on themselves because they don't necessarily want to listen to the stats. It's like, you know, we always give an example of like, all right, if you look at your demographic and 90% of your fan base is male, right? Some artists will go, okay, I need to make more R&B style records so that I could build more of a female audience. And to us, it's like, no, just focus on the audience that's there. what you're doing. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, if it's 90% male, then just make music for men. Like, that's that's fine. You don't necessarily have to get a 50-50 audience. And, you know, whatever audience gravitates toward your music, there's a reason for it. They like who you are. So it's like, just make that. But I also don't right. want to get the, you know, you're holding me back from making what I want to make. So it's a tough kind of uh, line to... But walk. that's also
2: why, like I said, I don't hold them back. I let them make whatever they want to make. It's really just about,
1: you know, making
2: it known of what's working. I'm I'm never gonna lie to an artist and, and you know, fill their head up and, and enable them. It's it's like, you know, this is what's working. If you wanna keep doing what you're doing, then keep doing what you're doing. I'm not I'm not gonna stop you um from being creative and from experimenting because hey, like you might make an amazing song that sounds totally different than, than what people are liking already. And they're going to gravitate towards that other one. Mm-hmm. It, sure. it really depends. You know, I, I feel like it's different for everybody. I also think it's different for an artist that has a bit of a fan base already uh, versus an artist that doesn't I so feel like If you don't have much of a fan base, do whatever the fuck you want. Sure. Your language.
3: But, Absolutely. You no, know, perfect.
2: experiment. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, if you already, if you've already built an audience off of a certain sound, And you don't like that sound and you want to change it, but that's the sound that everybody loves, then it's like, okay, as long as you understand that it might be a little bit of a, you know, a little harder for, to get people to catch on to it, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of up to you. It's a challenge that, you know, you're either going to accept and, and take and, and, you know, but you can't be mad at anybody else for the the results of that, but it might work. So yeah, I, I like to, I, I it's it's weird it's like i'm half artist and i'm, I'm half creative half businesswoman. woman so it's like um because i grew up on the creative side sure i think that that's what actually helps um me work with artists because i understand what they go through because that was me for many years of my life so um you know but what am i trying to say here overall i'm always going to let you know um I'm always going to, I'm sometimes I'm the bad guy. Sometimes I'm like, well, you know, yep. look at it this way or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, and, and it's, it's necessary though, because if I don't tell you and something doesn't work out, then you're going to be like, well, why didn't you tell me?
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, you know, artists don't want to be coachable because they feel as if, you know, at that point they're giving up too much of their artistic integrity or whatever it may be in their mind at that specific time.
2: But that's the type of artist that I don't deal with. So when I say mm-hmm. that, like taste creators is, um, not for everybody, it's, it's. I'm I'm kind of mean like a mental, it's kind of like, if, if you're in your own way, then by all means, I'm not going to try to insert myself. Yep. <laughs> so if you're not coachable, uh, then what are we really doing here? Yeah, <laughs>
0: and I absolutely. Think th- and I think that's like one of the biggest things, you know, as far as, you know, uh, dealing with certain artists is just like, and I know you even dig, you know, you spoke about it before too. It's like sometimes like you try to overextend yourself and try to help out a little bit too much. And then it's just like, for what purpose? This person clearly isn't being able to see like, what's the valuable information or they're not able to see what is the purpose of me saying it to do that this way. And, you know, I think that's like one of the biggest issues that a lot of artists have to come to face. Like a lot of times, luckily for us, you know, we come from being artists, but at the same time we've come to a place where it's like mentally Oh, this is a business business. Like that's like really where we have to sometimes sit. And it's uncomfortable as an artist, but at the same time, if you're not able to sit in that business realm of things, you just kinda once again complain about all oh, people trying to take advantage yeah. of me. Well, I'm not you're this. building a business. Like mm-hmm. you're you're
2: building a business. And and that's the cool thing about today's day and age in music is like you can build a business. You don't need somebody to do it for you. You don't need to insert yourself, you know, you don't have to get signed to a label.
1: To be successful as an artist anymore, but you do have to build a
3: business. Yeah, and that business mindset is difficult. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. I think I think that you know it also becomes uncomfortable when you start to build that business because some people didn't plan on it being a business. You know, I think that when you start to actually see it like a business, it does become less fun. Yeah, that's definitely a fact.
2: For sure, but then you also. That's when you start finding people that, uh, you know, um, reach out and say, I love what you're doing. How can I how can I point you in the right direction or how can I assist you with these things? You know, Um, but I I just feel like it it is a lot for an artist and, and and you're absolutely right. It's like sometimes it's like it takes the fun out of it, you know, but I think that's also only only in the beginning. Like you can make the business side of it fun, too, for the most part. Um And the more you know, the easier it gets and the, the easier it is for you to build a team, you know, because you're like, well, shit, it's, it's hard. Anything is hard. It's, it's your first time doing it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But like if you just do it and you do it a few times and you see what works, you'll see that it's not as hard as you thought it was. Like yeah. none of this to me is rocket science. I have to connect with people. I have to make good music and I have to connect with people. The music part comes naturally. At least that's the artist. I like to work with artists that, like, they've been doing this shit, mm-hmm. you know? Um, the rest of it just has to be learned and applied and trial and error. And, and half the battle is, is just making sure it's, it all goes back to how you're, how you're looking at it, your perspective. It's like, okay, what do I really want to do here? Do I want to just make music as a hobby? Because if you do, amazing, by all means. Keep on doing that, <laughs> you know? But if you want to turn it into a business and you want to tour and you want to have a fan base and all that stuff, and you have to accept the fact that like, hey, I should probably know like a little bit about what I'm getting into. And yeah, but it is a pain in the ass.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I definitely think like something you definitely touched on was like how the business can be fun. And I think a lot of time artists kind of get pigeonholed into thinking, oh, I, I just have to be able to be good making music. Um, but it's the same thing kind of applies. If you can make a, think of a concept for a crazy video for your song and you came up with the song itself, and you know, some artists even making their own beats, you can find effective and creative ways to kind of reach your audience and get them engaged. Because at the end of the day, once again, you know, being engaged or getting people to you know, be engaged with you is an art within itself. And a lot of times artists don't want to really step into that realm of creativity, but it's like it's definitely there. It's just kind of uncomfortable to try to tap into. And uh, I think that's sometimes why people usually stray from it.
2: Uncomfortable.
3: Yep,
0: exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. But I feel like even music, putting your music out there, it's a very vulnerable thing. It's uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, because it's emotional. You know, it's an emotional thing. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're speaking from your heart. So, and I think that's also something that puts artists off. It's like if I dig deep, right, and I put my heart into something for someone to turn around and be like, "Hey, this sucks."
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's a it's a tough space, you know. And I don't think everyone's built for that. Just like I don't think everyone's built for business. You know, Uh, my day job, I'm a manager. I'm a retail manager, right? There are certain people that I might hire for a position and I don't necessarily think after seeing them for a month that they're built for that position. Not everyone's built to be a manager. Not everyone knows how to kind of manage a a bunch of human beings, you know? And you only recognize that after you do it. So it's like, I feel like some artists Need to be okay with the fact that once it turns into a business, they recognize, okay, this isn't for me. You know, like, I myself was an artist as well. We're all artists at the end of the day. Everyone that's in the music business space at some point, you know, tried music themselves. It was something to music. Right? So, like, me as an artist, I realized that I'm not a fan of the artist landscape myself. I'd much rather be in the management landscape. I feel more comfort in the management landscape. I feel like I'm more built for the management landscape than I am for the artistic side of things. But until you try it, until you do it, because I've performed for eight years, you know, I performed for, for all different types of crowds. I made all different styles of music. And after all that, I was able to come up with the, you know, the idea that it's like, okay, that side is not so much for me. You know, I think that some artists need to recognize that there's also different sides of of the industry that you could, you know, become successful in. You don't necessarily, you started off as... So many different sides. Right. so, So it's like if you started off as a performing artist, but then you started producing and you found that, you know, there was much more acceptance when you started producing it's okay to just be a producer at that point. And primarily for
0: me, like usually when it yep. comes to being an artist, you just, in a sense, kind of want to be the focal point of it. But even within that focal point, if you really take a, like a closer lens at it, there's so much more that's going on behind the scenes. Pat's just the person yep. just being the, that main artist. And once again, we say it all the time, usually that the people that are in the offices or the people that's working behind the scenes usually getting paid more than the artist because usually if you are the artist, you're going to probably be the, be the one that's paid last. And that's just how it usually is, especially when it comes to- And that's what
2: that's, we do it the opposite.
0: I teach creators. Oh, we can talk about that right there then. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure a lot of artists probably like to hear that. Because usually it is artists get paid last because, you know, you got to dish out to the producer. You got to dish out to the manager. whatever yeah, well, agent I mean, you have that, at that that's time.
2: that's a business. I had to pay for my studio.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. I technically am getting paid last. Yep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like you have to put money out. It's an investment at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't agree with the, the old standards you know, I hate when people say, oh, it's just industry standards. No, no, there's new ways to do it. And we're, we're creating new ways to do it. And, uh, I never want the artist to make less money than the company. I I think that's kind of ridiculous.
1: I I agree entirely. Like I used to put together showcases and when I would do it, you know, the artist would walk away. I would, you know, there was a specific amount of tickets that you had to sell and that would go to the house because that would pay for the venue. Right. But everything after that, I wasn't concerned about making money on the show. I was just concerned about building some sort of community. So artists mm-hmm. would walk away with $200 for doing a 20-minute set. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, if you can make $200 in 20 minutes, you take that every single time, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think that there are creative ways to go about making money and you know, throwing your own showcases is a good, money, uh, a good way to, to create you know, some sort of income and it's an easy way to do it, and every artist has the access to doing it. So it's like, yeah. you know, there or are even ways just having
2: something for sale. I've asked artists have asked me like, how do I make money? And I'm like, well, what do you have for sale? Right. And they're like, oh, nothing. <laughs> I'm like,
0: well, yeah. start there. <laughs> right, right. Because you can have like a higher profit margin on. You know, music is going to be what music is. But you know, even like for bigger name artists, they're not selling as they used to, or like as far as like the number wise goes. But you know, once again, if you are able to merch, like sell merch or be able to find some other creative ways, whether it be vinyls, um even like, you know, even though Kanye made like the, the stem play, even whatever services. the case may be. Yeah, like exactly. artists,
2: a lot of artists, they're engineers as well, or they're producers as well. So playing some beats, playing some studio time. Right. You know, I like, get it where you sit. <laughs>
1: mm, right. That's that's where I made the bulk of my money was engineering. You know, I, I was a rapper for so many years. And I made the bulk of my money engineering because yeah, you turn around and you say, you know, at some point I need to make something. I can't, yeah. I can't do this for 20 years and and have no profit whatsoever. So it's like, yeah, you have to turn around and figure out ways that you can make money off of your art. And sometimes your art form is also engineering. Sometimes your art form is creative design and all these different Writing, things.
0: Anything you could think of.
1: And the coolest part about being an artist is a lot of us have to do all these things anyway. Mm-hmm. So we get good at them. So now you can offer yeah. these services you can design people's shirts because you've been designing your own shirts for so long. But, you know, it's the artists who want to strictly be musicians that have the hardest time. Because it's like, you have all of these tools now that you've built up, and you're only utilizing one of them.
2: Yep. But sometimes it just takes for someone to say that, for someone to be like, you know what? <laughs> you're right. Like, it's a crazy what a, just a change in
1: perspective can do. For sure. And that's where we come in. Yep, That's where we have to come in. Like that's the beauty yep. of, of someone that listens to this episode. They're going to walk away and go, oh shit, I could mix all my, my hometown's music and they'll pay me for that. Because when you start yep. making money off of music, it feels good. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. It doesn't matter if you're doing it with creative design or you're doing it with, you know, beats. Like, if well, because you, at the end of the day, you're being creative. And isn't that what you want to do? Right. But that that's the thing. is like, you know, there is a lot of, I feel like there is a lot of, uh, yeah, I want to make money, but only off the music. I feel like that does occur very often. It's like, I don't want to be a graphic designer. And it's like, yeah, you don't have to do that entirely. But that could be like a side hustle. You know, you can still create. Yeah, I mean, they would rather not have a 9 to 5, though. So it's like...
2: Well, yeah, but even you know, here.
1: we we kind of recommend having a nine to five here, you know, because
2: oh, I, I do too. But I'm saying, eventually, if if you're someone who really doesn't want that, then you you have to make. How are you going to make up for that?
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, you got to put the work in behind that because that's like one of the hardest things to do to be able to replace that regular nine to five income with. Uh, I don't know when this money going
1: to come in income. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because it's, it's it's usually not just going to come from streams.
1: especially yep. if yes. you're a new artist. Yeah, that's a fact. Streams, I feel like, are lost leaders. You know, streams kind of have to be lost leaders. It's like this is what brought them in. But now what are you selling them?
2: Exactly.
1: Well, uh, this was a great conversation. We truly appreciate that you took time out of your day to to kind of uh hang out with us. Especially after the long I Appreciate yesterday. you
2: for having me. So yeah. am, yeah. Once again, I'm congratulations.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, congrats <laughs> on everything you so you're much. doing. This was great. Brianna, hopefully in the future we could uh, do another episode with you. But uh, as for right now, I feel like this was great. And yes, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Yeah. Anytime. Let me know. I'm awesome. not gonna getting it now. Yeah. I've got a lot going on. I had to get the launch. Situated, we have a whole new website up. It's new everything. So yeah, like, we, we know you're go busy. Check that out too. Yeah, it's even
0: <laughs> like once again, it's even better that you are closer. You know, because once again, everything you know, New York. City. You guys got to
2: come down to the studio. We absolutely Let me know when you will come down to the studio. Yeah, oh, we, we absolutely
1: will for sure. For sure. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much. Thank have all right, a great day, day night. Right? Have a great one. All right.
1: Bye bye. Bye bye. So there you have it, guys. Once again, bringing the sauce to you from all over. And guys, I want I want everyone that watches the episodes to kind of, you know... I think that if you watch every episode that we've had that we've had someone on the phone, I think that a lot of people are saying the same thing. Always. Just in different ways. But I think that if you kind of take bits and pieces that everyone's saying... Like, you have to realize... Like, for instance, right? If... Okay, if one person says, yeah, you're kind of aggressive sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. You might be like, oh, they're fucking crazy, right? But if, like five people all say the same thing about your qualities at some point you're like all right maybe i'm aggressive you got to right? look, look inside at that point 100% so so what i'm saying is take the same thing like if if every person that we get on the phone is saying these certain points and they're all repeating it right it's important that you guys sit down and go, okay, so this is the, the wave. Like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. They're telling me that I need to build my own audience. They're telling me that I need to start throwing my own showcases, that I need to, you know, have something to sell. I need to stop worrying about what my friends think. Mm-hmm. There's all these points that are the common denominator in, in every episode that we're doing. So it's like, I do think that um, what's beautiful is that the information's right there for you guys. And if you've been watching uh, from start to finish, then it's like, You'll you'll have a better sense of what's going on because we're not talking to people who have never done this before. And it's not like we're just like searching the web, like yo, how can we find somebody that's going to agree with us and like make sure that our points are like you know validated. I actually would love if someone disagreed with everything. Yeah, that we, at, at that, that, that point we, we have them
0: on. And like once again, a lot of times you may encounter people in certain spaces. Like I was in like some. Um, Zoom call, like there's supposed to be something for like marketing and there's a lot of people in there and I'm just there listening as a listener. I don't want to be like, oh, hey guys, I, I, I'm a co-host of this, this popular podcast. More so just listening and you start, I start hearing a lot of this misinformation that's just being thrown out there and, you know, there's certain times it's like, you know, stepping and saying, oh yeah, it's probably a little bit different than what you guys are saying but a lot of times there's what she said, like she said before, there's a lot of misinformation out there and sometimes you get wrapped up into these circles and the next thing you know, you kind of believe in a certain way of thinking. And that's like, we're not looking for people that think like us. It's more so like they just happen to be there. They reach out to these people and they're just like, oh, yeah. You start seeing at their posts, it's like it kind of aligns with the same vision. And yes, yeah, sometimes there may be a little thing that may differentiate. But for the most part, it's right on cue.
1: Right. You know. Alright guys uh, Rappers guy We are signing out This Diggy dig your match Peace out guys shout, shout out to y'all Once again
0: For if we were Your number one podcast Thank you guys For listening yeah, we, we appreciate y'all. We've seen it on a Spotify rap You know We got our own Spotify rap as artists But seeing it For our podcast And seeing how much You guys love us And kind of cherish What we do You know Truly appreciate it So thank you guys For always watching And listening Yeah That's pretty much it Peace out guys